Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us this week. We are down one Kyle Wonders. Kyle, you will be missed. I wonders where he is. Oh. I'm sorry. F in the chat, both for Kyle and for that joke. <laughs> oh, man. We are starting off strong. Yikes. I'm Rob. She's Jen. That's Logan. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, well, Rob, uh, in the sermon this weekend, had a little, uh, had a little, uh, a, a, a subtle? I'm going to go, it's very small. It's very small. It's subtle. Uh Small shortcoming. Okay. Really, it's just something that bears clarification. It's not even a shortcoming. Yeah, so I I, I said that it's within Levitical law that indicates that you um, that eunuchs were not allowed to make sacrifices within the temple system. Yes. And... Which would um, imply that it comes from Leviticus. Yes. By saying Levitical law. And so, it's it's kind of in there. Uh, it it'll be really hard to find, really hard to like. You'd really have to know what you're reading. Um, Leviticus nineteen twenty eight says, "You should not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourself." I'm the Lord. Um, that word for cuts in your body uh, is connected to another passage in Leviticus twenty one five. Uh, speaking specifically to the priests. Okay. So Leviticus 19 is is to all the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to chapters 11 through 20 within Leviticus <coughs> are, are is really about being a kingdom of priests. So so it's not just about the priests themselves; it's the people as priests. But Leviticus 21:5 says they shall not make any baldness on their heads nor shave off the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts in their flesh. Okay. Uh, We may happen upon a story uh, later on in Lent where a disciple cuts off the flesh of one of the temple servants. Yep. Mm -hmm. That temple servant would no longer be able to serve if the Christ had not healed that. Right. There you go. Yeah. So so this is a very generic thing, Leviticus 21.5, but in Deuteronomy 23.1, it says no eunuch is to enter the congregation of God. And that, that idea of entering into the congregation of God, that, that, has, that speaks to both being able to make sacrifices, but also be able to serve in leadership within the the community of Israel. And so uh, that would mean political office. That would mean, you know, all kinds of things. So sure. uh, s- serving in the military, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Now, this same section speaks to um, bastards and... Ammonites and Moabites, uh, even to the tenth generation, which is 
really interesting because David, King David, might have been a bastard child. Hmm. Uh, he says in Psalm 51 that he was born completely in iniquity. Uh, he's not presented to Samuel initially. Mm-hmm. The other sons were. Mm-hmm. Is it just because he's the youngest? Or is there something that, you know... Like, oh, you shouldn't actually be this. David's <coughs> father doesn't want to, you know, own up to. Uh, but then also the because of Ruth... Uh, was a Moabite? Yeah. Yeah. So Ruth being within his lineage within a few generations. It's not past the 10th generation. It's not past. It. So such an interesting thing that both both David and Solomon, who, who would build the temple, mm-hmm. would be able to serve. And so, you know, does, does this mean that uh, God's grace can't, Kind of trumps some things. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Because Ruth would have been her his like great 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 grandma, right? Uh, I think that's right. Ruth and Boaz had Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I from the story it seems like she'd be a great grandmother and at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's pretty all right. Maybe super great grandma. Super great? <laughs> Am I missing a joke here? Well, as opposed to just being a great grandmother, she's a great, great, great grandmother. She's super awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's that was a joke. Disclaimer. We never said our jokes were good. Hmm. Oh, maybe that's an actual shortcoming. <laughs> Our jokes are a constant <laughs> shortcoming. If you we haven't figured that out short- by now, we finally got to the shortcoming, and there you are. Oh man! <laughs> so it was. So it is. It is. You can find it in Levitical law. It's not super clear, but it is. It is in there. It's. Uh, it's in Torah. It's tucked away. Kay. If I would have said Torah, I would have covered all my bases, mm-hmm. all five of them. Well, it's funny because I just finished reading Leviticus, and I was like, I don't remember reading about eunuchs. What? Mm. And then it, because I was, you know, doing other things, I didn't think about it again after that because it was yeah. in one ear, out the other. So I'm glad you clarified that. There you go. Yeah, it's the cutting of the flesh that is the... So if it's not cut, if it's a, like, for example, if you become a eunuch through a smashing, does that... Oh. Never mind. We won't go there. Please stop. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I gotta find out. Like, it, mm, is it? Is it? What's the specifics here? I always thought that that passage had to do with uh, religious cutting of the flesh. You would. It's essentially like a tattooing, but you would scar yourself. Um, and culturally, you had. I don't know if it was the Moabites or the Ammonites or some of the cultures surrounding them would do the the. Uh, Scarring, religious mm-hmm. scarring. Uh, I always thought that's what that was talking about, but then I, I had heard that it also applied to, like the the story that we'll get later in Lent, with you know, um, for anybody who can hear it. 
I'm trying to remember <laughs> where it's at, but uh, I, I believe that if someone was mangled too, that was. Mm. Mm. I mean, um, technically, it's not there anymore. So. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we'll just have to dig into Leviticus some t- some other time here. Flesh out all of the parts of that. That's all I got to say about that. Anyway, uh, let's... Oh, man, that was so bad. (laughs) Oh, yikes. I might cut that out. (laughs) No, I won't, because that was another one. Well, so... (laughs) so This is not fit to serve. (laughs) So it is interesting, because um, remember what the, the eunuch says... That um Oh, with Philip? Yeah, when he says what cuts me off from being baptized. He does say that, doesn't he? Yes. And so and the Lord says, I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Both the Lord and the eunuch play on this idea of the fact that what led them to be a eunuch was something being cut off and yet though that's something that's cut off and 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 oftentimes we will look at somebody based off of their circumstances because oftentimes Mm -hmm. like i don't know a bunch of people looking forward to becoming a eunuch probably not so much it's forced upon them, and so there's there's circumstances, and, and I guess I guess Christ says that some choose it, right? Sure. Uh, but He says that that many others it was forced upon them, and, and mm. others they were born that way, mm-hmm. and and so uh, it really doesn't matter how you got there; it's still hard. The situation mm-hmm. is still hard, and the and the and the religious elite have a tendency to kind of look down on you for being in that position. Mm. For w- without, you know, and and from a thousand feet we could judge people and 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 have all kinds of reasons in our mind why they ended up where they ended up. So, at any rate, I just um I was reading that and in that eunuch story in in Acts 8 is one of my favorites. And and just to read this again and to see that that the Lord, in fact, I imagine that at the, the Greek is is the same. I, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and I wonder. But all right, all right. Well, let's uh, cut that so, short. <clears throat> yeah, no, that was good. That was good stuff. Uh, let's talk about the Sadducees. Uh, those old dirty rotten scoundrel scoundrels, and uh, let's talk about the the things that they were doing. There, you you kind of, you mentioned that we would talk about this a little bit more in footnotes. Expand on it. Uh, the things that they were doing, uh, specific. I think there's three things that they were doing that were abusing their power. Yeah, there's there's a number of them, but um, first and foremost, the the chief priests were 
only paid the other priests for the two weeks that they worked each year, and then they kept the remaining tithes for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so while the, the tithes that were coming in were for all the, all the priests, mm-hmm. they were keeping the bigger share. That's just the uh, the the Thai system. I mentioned that they they owned a system of money changers, and the merchants, and they 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 had a monopoly. Mm-hmm. They defined the rules, and then they executed the rules. And there was no. I'm sorry, you have to use Jewish coinage here. You have to use special temple coins. Oh, you don't have temple coins? Well, conveniently, right over at that table, you can trade in your Roman denarii for temple coins for the low, low rate of nineteen ninety-five per coin. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, the chief priests had their own temple guard who were notorious for carrying out behind-the-scenes executions of their enemies. Fantastic! It's I've like- mentioned that before. They got like their own little mafia hit squad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they had their own Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin were the elders mm-hmm. of Israel, and it would represent, there'd be a cross-section of all of Israel. Um, and typically, it was made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but there was a separate Sanhedrin that was um, all Sadducees, and uh, they met in the private home of the high priest little Illuminati sort of situation. Inner fraternity of Sadducees. <laughs> so, and again, we don't know a whole lot about the Sadducees other than what's written in the New Testament sure. and through Josephus, who was a historian at that time. Other than that, th- that lineage did, never survived, is my understanding. It just kind of gets lost in the, lost at the wayside. Lost to history. When we look at archaeology and we and we can see like the size of the dwelling places, their homes, sure. and and what and what they had within these homes, they were living opulent lifestyles. Yes, they were. They were the top lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah. Hmm. So. Lifestyles of the rich and the chief priests. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, now that reminds me, speaking of lifestyles of the rich and the famous and people who are abusing their religious power, this whole story reminded me of uh, the story of the sons of Eli. If you go back into the uh, books of Samuel, uh, the high priest of Shiloh was Eli. Uh, and so... Uh, um, Eli had these two sons, and um, he, uh, Eli also raised Samuel, right? So if you remember the story of Samuel, Hannah comes there, uh, Eli initially makes fun of her, blah, 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 has Samuel, Samuel's dedicated, Eli helps raise Samuel. But Eli also had these two other sons, uh, let me, their names were, why am I forgetting their names? Uh... Oh, come on. Where are they at? There we go. 
uh, Hopney and Phineas. Phineas, yeah. There you go. Uh, or Hofney, I guess. Uh, maybe something like that. Um, they were behaving wickedly. They were horrible. Uh, for example, they were taking all the prime cuts of meat from sacrifices. So they would they would come and take the the fattened portion. They'd take all the best things for themselves from the sacrifices. Uh, committed adultery with the women who serve in the sanctuary entrance. Not so good. Um, and Eli was aware of their behavior, but he rebu- rebuked them too lightly and ultimately did not stop them. Um, and eventually God strikes them down. Uh, and then the other thing here is that, uh, what's fun bit of that story, is that Eli dies because he falls over backwards, if I remember correctly. Uh, he falls over backwards and breaks his neck, which, in my mind, this is adding some flavor text. It's because he's probably grown, or he is uh, probably a little overweight, and or a lot overweight, and he loses his balance, falling out of his chair and crushes his own neck, mm-hmm. uh, which would speak to if your sons are living out this manner. Of and you're not really going to chastise and rebuke them and tell them that they're doing wrong. It's probably a reflection on the fact that Eli was doing some of this. Right. Maybe not to that degree, right. but to a degree. He's probably abusing his power there. Uh, so anyway, the, just the, the misuse of the power and the, uh, the the leadership, religious leadership that has gone astray uh, reminded me of that story. And I think the uh, the best connection point here for us is that how God deals with that. It's a uh, guy gets kind of lit up at these two and, and strikes him down. Um, that this, this sort of behavior, this sort of abuse of your position is uh, not something that God is a fan of. And so mm-hmm. when we look at the Temple Mount and we look at how things are being how how things are going down there when Jesus sees this, it's that sort of righteous anger that we see exhibited yeah. from that. Yeah. 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 The uh, and we need to hold leadership to a higher standard than than the rest of the the rest of the people. That needs to be the case. And I, and sometimes I don't see that within Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes yeah. I don't see that within politics or or even uh, business leadership. But I in, in my my military career, if if there was a conflict that took place between let's say a general and a and an airman, and and they both don't handle their own stuff well, which I mean honestly I didn't see that, but um, I mean by the time you make general, like you <laughs> typically got things figured out mm-hmm. but uh, uh there were some stories sure you know but if there was a if there was a problem and uh there's a general and, a, and an airman and there's conflict and they both don't handle their personal their side of it well uh, they're both gonna be dealt with but the consequences for that general are way more serious mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Way more serious. Sometimes within the church, I've seen that flipped. Sure. I mean, that happens a lot of times with leadership, just in 
in the church, out of the church business. You, we, how yeah, that's often Rome's do we see, tools. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's Rome's way of dealing with things. Yeah, like, it's the I'm going to know. use my position and power to avoid the consequences. Right. Yeah. And 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 God does not do that. God, God takes. Uh, I, I would call that spiritual abuse. What the what the uh, Sadducees were doing was spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. abuse of their spiritual power or spiritual authority. And and Jesus says of the religious leaders, they are in a position of of authority, and so you need to honor them. But know that. He says, but don't act like them. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, Jesus recognizes the authority, and, and, I, and I believe he is specifically talking to, uh, to the Pharisees. And, and we need to also understand about the Pharisees is that there were, there were two major camps within the Pharisaical world, and Jesus, for the most part, agreed with the one camp, not always, mm-hmm. but more often than not, he, he agreed with the camp that would lean towards the idea of loving your neighbor was the best way to determine how well you're loving your God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and so we throw the, fer- the term Pharisees around, and, and we think of it as one contiguous group. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. There were there were factions within that group, and they and they had some different views. And it sure. was, the landscape would look like the American church of the day where there's a lot of different, you could go into different churches and have very different experiences. Absolutely. Cool. 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 Uh, one other thing bearing mention here, uh, chronological differences within the gospels. So this story shows up in at least two, if not three, four. I don't remember. Hashtag hashtag pastor fail. (laughs) (laughs) Let this be a lesson. We could all spend more time in the text. There you go. All right, cool. Redemption. Yeah, in particular, you know, I took a look at, at Matthew 21 and Mark 11 to determine uh, how we were going to tell the story. Yep. And um, it's this story is told three different ways. Uh, Luke would make it seem like Jesus cleansed the temple immediately after the triumphal entry. Okay. Um, and then Matthew, um, he just jumps straight to the temple cleansing, and he says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a, a robber's den. So he quotes the Isaiah passage a little different. We'll tell you why here in just a moment. Um, and then at the end of this account, it says, Now in the morning, when he was returning to the city, he became hungry, seeing a lone fig tree by the road. He came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Mm. And so Mark or Matthew tells the story a little differently than the way we read it in Mark. I believe Mark wanted you to clearly see this chiasm of the two of the fig tree mm-hmm. being the bookends of this conversation. And in the middle, 
So this is a conversation about teachings and what kind of teachings do we do we buy into? Are we sure that that's really what the scripture says? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think it's super important that if Rob says something about how God operates, that you go home and you look at it and go, where did he get that from? Yep. You yep. know, it, it, did Rob do enough due diligence in his preparation for him to be able to say that? Mm-hmm. Sure. And so, or, or is Rob, did Rob inadvertently add something or take something away? Or or maybe even on purpose did Rob add to or take, you know, like all that can happen. And so the the Mark passage is, focuses in on this idea of, of it's the teachings that Jesus is addressing. Matthew tells a story a little differently, and, and it was really me looking at these two stories that really, really drove how I decided to approach the sermon. But Matthew focuses in on this statement, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you make it a robber's den. That's That seems to be more Matthew's focus because Matthew is written to the mumser. Yep. He's angling it for the outsider. He's angling for the outsider, and he drops this statement for all people mm-hmm. because a rabbi will leave a part of the statement out for you to go, but rabbi, you missed this piece. And a rabbi will wink at you and say, go wrestle with that. They'll leave out the punchline. Mm. So it, they, in fact, that's the perfect example of that. That's when you tell a joke, but you leave off the punchline because everybody knows it. Now, if you don't know, like if you don't know enough to make the reference, then you completely don't get it. And you're like, that was a dumb joke. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible story, Rabbi. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Completely missing the point. Right. Once again, I think I just said something about we could all spend a little bit more time in the text. Absolutely. Might still apply mm-hmm. five now, minutes later. Now, they, <laughs> they are both communicating the same thing because both Matthew and, and Matthew and Mark are using rabbinical teaching tools to communicate their experience with their rabbi and their Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, when we, when we talk about Jesus being a rabbi, we're just talking about the kinds of tools and techniques that he utilizes, the, the genre of teaching that he embraces to, to communicate what he's communicating. Mm-hmm. We don't say that to say that he's less than the Son of God. Yeah. Or, or that he's co-equal, like other rabbis are, are on par with him. That's not the point. The point is he's using teaching techniques and he's speaking into a context that we need to understand sure. in order to glean out some additional things that he's trying to communicate. If if Jesus showed up in 21st century Montana, he would use the teaching styles that we are used to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. If he, if he airdropped in, son of God shows up in the Pacific Northwest. <clears throat> He'd use memes. He'd use memes. He'd change water into, I don't know, a hazy IPA or something. Um, <laughs> there would be flannel involved. Uh, the the 5,000 would get fed with 
protein bowls. Oh, really? Uh, It'd be granola for sure. That hurts me. We'd probably have kale. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. If it's in Montana, like, there'd be steaks. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's in Montana, we're steaks. Pacific North, if it's over there in, like, Yuppieville, then we'd get kale, I guess. But that's, you know, Jennifer hails from Seattle. So we'll just. That's where she went that we'll immediately her. in her brain. Hurts She's my soul a, a little bit. <laughs> She's a gift. We oh, need to bring man. it back. <laughs> I dropped that in the elder meeting the other day. <laughs> Rob, you're a gift. <laughs> it was fantastic. The That's sticking is, around. Did they get it? No one else got it. Just me and Rob. Oh, we had fun with that. Yeah, that was great. Elders, saw the glint in his eye. To the Just saw the glint in his eye sitting through the <laughs> Zoom screen. It was fantastic. So to reel it back in. Once again, know the punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> know the context. Right. <laughs> Matthew and Mark tell the same basic story. They shape the story a little bit to communicate something specific that they that they learned from their rabbi. Yep. They learned from the Christ, but they do it in such a way to present this narrative to help other people grasp the kinds of things that Christ was asking them to grasp. And, and, and both are true. Mm-hmm. We have to create space for the outsider. Mm-hmm. We have to because God cares about that. This is these are two passages, Isaiah, Jeremiah, that that the Sadducees and the Pharisees they had full access to, and they got ticked that Jesus brought this up and told them that they they weren't making the grade. Yep. They didn't like that story. So it, Not is, so much. it is both the teaching. They killed him like a week later. <laughs> and how the teaching has impacted their ability to engage the outsider. In fact, we should probably talk next about the alien, the orphan, and the widow. And, and this was Jen's <clears throat> idea that we talk about this. Um, it's so a fantastic Jen, you, idea. Why don't you kick this off? Because it's really important for us to recognize... Like, who would Jesus be talking about again? If he dropped into Missoula today, who's he talking about? Yeah, who... Well, and that was my point. Like, who are the alien orphan widows of the 21st century? Like, we could easily point them out in the Bible context, I think, but... Sure. um, Are we willing to talk about the refugees that are here in Missoula. Like those are the aliens that we should be loving on. Um, Or the foster care crisis might be the orphans or like you brought up Logan, the widows could be not just like these single moms and the fact that like fatherhood is um, a rarity rather than a like, sure. But you yeah. were talking about how, like, singles in yeah, general it could be. just be yeah. So yeah, for so for example, for w- with the widow, uh, if we put that in a in a modern context or a more in in our context, our understanding, it's not just somebody who's lost a spouse from whatever reason or whatever. Uh, in their culture, the widow was somebody who 
was they didn't have a beta of they didn't have a family they didn't have that unit they no longer had a place that they belonged they didn't have anyone to provide for them they didn't have anyone to care for them we see this in Ruth and Boaz you know we kinsman redeemer right mm-hmm. we, so they need to be brought into somebody else's bed of right mm-hmm. um to be cared for uh so because at that time if you were a widow you did not have work choices yeah you didn't have anything you had nothing mm-hmm. uh, it was prostitution or begging yeah like that by and large there's your option a or option b and they both suck right. like that's bad options so um so for our context this could be but it but it's this you they they're lacking community they're lacking that family mm-hmm. uh unit and so in a modern context, that, that not only is the people who have lost a spouse, but that can be, yeah, yeah that's the single mom, sure. That's the single dads. That's the... Well, they're, function, they're functionally widowed because the person left. Mm-hmm. Yes. This right. is your divorced. Or, you're, or they're functionally orphaned because mom and dad are addicted. Mm-hmm. And, and Exactly. These are the people that are never married. And mm-hmm. they and they cannot, they they can't provide a safe home for the child, uh-huh. and so the people of the community have to go. We're going to adopt this child, as it were, mm-hmm. and, and whether it's, whether it's a, for a season, because within the foster system, <clears throat> the uh, the goal is from the state's perspective is reunification, if at all possible. Right. Sure. And so the church has traditionally come alongside by either providing a safe place for the, for the kids to land and or oh. to provide partnership with the family so they, they could provide them with the skills uh, mm-hmm. and, and even um, sometimes the issue is, is homelessness. And so you have to uh, work with that family to, to get back on their feet, uh, the Missoula Interfaith Collaborative has actually done a ton of work along those lines. Mm-hmm. Family Promise is a great program. For yeah, Family Promise, but they also, that's where it starts, but then they're also just um, helping people. And there's a number of organizations that do this, uh, 549 Hope, that help people uh, get that down payment mm-hmm. or you know, be able to make rent for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, there's a number of great organizations in Missoula that are helping in this area, but as as the church, we need to champion today's version sure. of the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Well, and here's a I just thought of this as you were talking about initially the alien refugees here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Perhaps though. Think about the alien in that day. It's just somebody who has come in from a foreign land, doesn't know the place, right? right? Might be wandering through, has just relocated. All right, sure. That could be, for our context, refugees from another country. That could also just be people who moved here from California. College students. College students. Uh, yeah, absolutely, college students. Like, mm-hmm. they're... They're the aliens in the community for us, in a, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they don't have the deep roots. They don't <clears> have they don't have deep community, and that's one of the reasons why we do care group. Think, is, think is, of it. Go ahead. 
people will either need new community because they have come come out of addiction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or because they're new to the area right or because they're new to the christian faith sure you know, any of those reasons is, is a fantastic reason to get connected into a care group so you could build that community of people that can be your deep roots. And and I do think that is a, um, a form of uh, a present-time alien. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of the, the alien in that day. They come in from, they don't own land in that new place that you come to. We're talking to a culture of subsistence farmers. Right. If you don't own land, if you don't have some way of generating income, which usually in that culture is going to be tied to a land unless you're a trader and just walk around with a ton of crap with you to like <laughs> buy and sell and vagabond around, right? Uh, you've got to be tied to land. So if you, if you don't have that, you don't have a way to provide for yourself, you need to rely on the kindness of the people of the land. Right. So for us, that's, you know, that's the people who are looking for jobs. Right. That's the people who are moving in and just don't have the community roots. Right. Uh, just all, all ways to broaden our perspective of what that might look like for us. Because mm-hmm. uh, we do talk about ministering to the alien, the orphan, the widow. We've talked about this many times. Right. Uh, this shouldn't be the first time you're hearing about it. <sighs> I hope. Uh, if it is, well, congratulations. <laughs> now you've heard about it. <laughs> um, but we've talked about this a bunch and it, sometimes I think it's easy to, well, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know any, I don't know any aliens. E.T., I haven't met the guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or orphans. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually know anybody that's had their parents die and, you know, mm-hmm. lost orphan, uh, or, or widow or, you know, and, and sometimes we miss that just because we're, we're not seeing the context of the people within our lives that would fall into that category. Right. So, fantastic question, Jennifer. Jennifer Bartlett You're coming welcome. in hot with a great question. I try. Well done. Well You're, done. You're told me owed. <laughs> and Thanks. a gift. Uh, I was waiting for it. There <laughs> there it was. I should have got to it before him. <laughs> You're a gift. <laughs> uh, there you go. Fantastic. All right. Well, we will continue our journey through the last week of Christ this week. Uh, talking about, uh, what are we on to, Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, man. should be Thursday because it's the third sermon, but mm. I guess Tuesday. Oh, well. Nevertheless, Tuesday it is. Let's Tuesday. It. We'll talk about Tuesday on a Sunday. <laughs> Let's do it. And uh, we'll do it to it. <laughs> Do it, do it. Anyway, uh, I'm going to stop this thing before the jokes get any worse. But uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed. And that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.